Welcome to Fuente Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll, and we are recording in the Red Sea Radio Studios in College Station, Texas. Ooh, boy. We've got a good show. You know why we got a good show today? I did something holy, and that always gives me good content. I went on a retreat last week. The Ablaze staff uh, took our yearly retreat, time to kind of get away, recharge. We're done with the youths for the for the school year, and just a time for us to kind of recharge before we head into our summer activities, camps and conferences and, and all mission trips and all that kind of stuff. So, got a lot to share from that. Sam was there. Hey, Sam, you're back. Hello, I'm back. You are back. You weren't here as the producer last week, so uh, there was no one to stop me from saying uh, things that I shouldn't say. Oh, no. <laughs> My conscience left. <laughs> That's, that seems really bad. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> I need to go back and listen to this episode, yeah, I guess. There, there you go. You'll finally listen to an episode of Voice <laughs> Catholic. I listened to one once. Jesus, forgive us our sins. It, it was, the it was on hell. the radio. Oh, good. When I was driving back, it was one we like pre-recorded, and I listened to it. Oh, cool. So you listened to yourself. I I didn't talk in that oh, episode. It was back when I didn't trust you. I guess <laughs> it's when I like was awkward and sat in the corner and didn't say anything and was afraid to talk on the microphone. You know how I remember that day. How do you remember that day? That's all the days that you come into the studio. It's true. That's true. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Sam, you were on this retreat. Yes. Um, before we talk about the retreat, though, okay, I was I was planning to start the, today's show by talking about the retreat, but I have to go a different direction because of what happened on my drive over here. Okay. So on my drive over here, I was listening to my my favorite Catholic radio show and podcast. Yours. No, I'm very humble. Mine is second. Oh, sorry. <laughs> of course. My favorite. Is Lena Ruley's The Catholic Guy Show. I love oh, that okay. show to death. It's fantastic. He was talking, he was doing this thing called overrated or underrated. So he just takes random things at, that, and then the, all the hosts, him, him and Mark Hart, have to answer is this overrated or underrated? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, like, for an example, pancakes. Or, or, or it's overly rated, properly rated, or, or underrated. So, properly rated is in there as well. So are they properly rated, overrated, or underrated? So pancakes, in your opinion, are they overrated, underrated, or properly rated? I think properly. Properly rated. Okay. So essentially that's how they were playing the game. I'm not going to steal his idea. Go listen to his show if you want to. I don't care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or keep listening to mine, Forte Catholic, on all the podcasting apps that you can listen. Also airs on Red Sea Radio in Bryan College Station and St. Michael Radio in... Tulsa, Oklahoma. There I almost forgot the city. I almost said Oklahoma City. That's incorrect. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, and also Cairo Radio, somewhere on the east. North Carolina. Come on and raise up. That's how I remember that. It's one of my favorite songs. From junior high, shout out to the three people that understood that reference. So, uh, they said, being a canonized saint, properly rated, underrated, or overrated. Now, the caveat is, not everyone that goes to heaven is a saint. Right. right. So... To be a canonized saint really just means that you're canonized, or that, that you're recognized after your death. So what do you say? Um, underrated? Uh, underrated? Okay, see, here's my I deal. I, I think it's overrated. And this, this gets all into all into uh, this whole conversation. Most Catholics, I think, would say underrated. It's like, oh, it'd be so cool to be a saint. But you don't think of the ramifications of it. It's like when you go to heaven, like, 
you're already dead. <laughs> like, right. there's there's no benefit other than to being a saint, other than people bothering you all the time. So you become the saint of something, and it's like you know you're the patron saint of like hurt toes or something. And every time somebody's toe is hurt, they're like, oh, saint so and so, patron saint of big toes. Um, can you help me out with my problem? You're just like hanging out up in like your little heavenly room or whatever that Jesus prepared for you. Right. And you're like, well, I'm just trying to rest or relax or focus on the Lord. And this dumb bald guy in central Texas keeps asking me about his hurt toe. It's like, I just want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't need rest in heaven, right? You would be fully you know, just okay. So maybe. Okay. So I wasn't maybe. resting. I was just trying to ignore people. I don't know what I'm trying to do. But so here's the deal. Here's my real question. That's that's all from their show. This is my. Oh, this is not even the real question this, yet? This is my original thought. Okay. Right? Uh, at least it's original to me. I've never had it before. So. Here's my question. How do saints receive our prayers? Canonized mm-hmm. saints receive mm-hmm. our prayers when they're up in heaven. Because we've all seen Evan Almighty, right? So or not Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty. You've seen Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey. Yes. I think you're lying. Morgan I, Freeman is God and I don't I think I've with that. seen like <laughs> I think I've seen some clips from it. I don't really remember the movie. And the rhinos were going in the wadi. I'm like, I can't do the Morgan Freeman voice. Uh, we're going to talk about impersonations later, actually. This is going to be great. I this didn't is, even mean to do that. This is a good that show. was a bad impersonation. Uh, for those of you that are going to stick around for the next few minutes, you're going to like that joke better later because it wasn't very good the first time. It'll be better calling it back the second time. Okay. Here's my question. In Bruce Almighty, Sam, since you didn't watch it, okay, um, he be- essentially becomes God. He takes God's job for a day, and it's kind of to show that God's job is actually pretty hard. So how he receives all his prayer requests is an email. He gets them all emails. He's getting like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of email, and he can't deal with it all, so he just replies yes to all. So every <laughs> everyone that prayed to win the lottery... The answer is yes. So everyone won the lottery. So everybody got like two pennies. Like, you know, like. That's funny. Okay. There's a really kind of funny premise. But so here's my question along those similar lines. Saints are just floating around up in heaven. Okay. How do they receive our prayers? So Sam prays for St. Anthony. You're you're asking for St. Anthony, the the patron saint of finding things. I don't know the proper term, but that's who you pray to when you've lost something. Right. So you lose your keys and you say, Tony, Tony, look around. Something's lost and must be found. Right. Here's why I say being a saint is overrated. At least being one of these popular canonized saints. That's all he hears all day. Tony, Tony, (laughs) look around. And there's probably like 7,000 people praying that at the same time in the world. It's like, Tony, 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 Tony. What if it went in a round, like, row, row, row your boat gently down the street? (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Something must be found. Yeah, this is one of those times that I just thought of a joke that I can't say because you're my producer. Thanks for being here, Sam. No problem. So uh, my, my real question is, how do they get the information? Do right. they do they just automatically hear you in their brain, hmm. or is my voice amplified like this microphone is doing, and it's a loud booming voice coming into their bedroom, or or <laughs> like voice to text is a thing now, right? Like That's I true. can say, I did this earlier. Hey Siri, give me directions to Hobby Airport, and she said, getting directions to Bush Intercontinental Airport. I'm like, no, that's not what I said. That was wrong. But but there's you know the voice to text. I can say, Sam, how are you doing today? And 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 voice to text will say, Sam, how are you doing today? One percent of the time, the other, the rest of the times, like, ha- Sam, 
how are you doing, my bae? It's like, no, I'm married to someone else. That's really weird. You shouldn't have said that voice to text. So are they receiving it voice to text? Right. Are they receiving an email? Are they are they just const- immediately aware of it in their brains? I don't know. I, I, these are the questions that I have, Sam. They're deep questions, I think. Very deep questions. I've been playing a game like I'm a Harry Potter character. So maybe it's like an owl, like the Holy Spirit. Oh. Brings a letter <laughs> and says, Sam has lost her keys. Sam, remember that time three minutes ago that we talked about you being quiet in the room and sitting by yourself? Yeah. I missed those days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really fun game. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Sending an owl. That's hilarious. I really hope that that's what happens. It's like between, I know it's not like up in space, right? But there's there's like our realm and then there's God's realm. Right. I really hope right between those just a line of owls. Yes. <laughs> and, they're like, and they're like, oh, I got a message from Sam. And Hedwig, you're, you know, flies yes. up to St. Anthony. And it's like, Sam has lost her keys. And it's like, I tell her they're right where she left them. <laughs> <laughs> that's not helpful. I don't know where that's at. <laughs> so, um, you know what? Here's what we'll do. Carlo Broussard is our guest today. He's okay. brilliant. We'll ask him what he thinks. He, uh, neither of us, both of us just have questions it's and true. really stupid answers. Maybe yeah, he'll have a real one. We don't have good answers. <laughs> so, um, Forte Catholic, we don't have good answers. That's our <laughs> slogan around here. We're making Catholicism fun again, not uh, you smart again. <laughs> so, here, here we go. That was, thanks for not laughing at that joke, Sam. You I was, like, almost <laughs> laughed and you were like, ah, never mind. No. I think that joke is stupid. <laughs> no, it's because I started thinking of something else in the middle of laughing. Okay, so. Sam, That's what happened. We went on. We now that we're almost done with this segment, we could talk about what we originally talked, tried to talk about the Which, retreat. Oh, the retreat. You yes. were there because um, you you can't get away from me. So, what was your favorite part of the retreat, Samantha uh, Regina Shepherd? Nope, not my middle name. Um, it means queen. It's a good name. Well, okay. Um, I guess I really liked just having chill time with people, not working, just getting to know one another. And just having fun playing ping pong and playing the werewolf. Werewolf is a lot of fun. It's that's that's like our fun. favorite pastime as a as a staff. And we do pretty well. We, me and Taylor won. We did. It was I'm, a good game. It really helps. Like I always joke that I'm like the public school kid amongst the group, and you you went to public school about half of your schooling. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're we're much better liars than the regular Catholics. It's true. <laughs> you know the Catholic school kids and the homeschool kids. Like oh yeah, we'll win in a game of deception. It's fun. Um, I enjoyed the retreat as well. That was a lot of my favorite. I have so many great memories. Uh, one of them I put up on my Facebook and go check it out. It's a uh, a video. I find one of my idols is Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. <laughs> I got to be Ron Burgundy. Um, and uh, Deborah, our friend, got to be our Veronica Corningstone from Anchorman. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. You go check it out on my social media. So much fun. So here's what I want to do, Sam. Okay. Uh, we've just been uh, being stupid for the first few minutes of the show, which is most of most of our shows. But I, I want to um, I want to attempt to impart some spiritual knowledge upon the people mm. in the form of something we haven't done in a very long time. That you punched me in the face because we haven't done it in a while. Here it is, Sam. Don't, I don't remember that happening, but okay. I I do, uh, which is weird because you'd think I'd be the one that forgot. But here it is. <laughs> Our Forte 5 countdown of the most impactful things I heard on the retreat. You ready for this? Number 5. 
was a quote from one of our talks. So often we are focusing on the next step in our spiritual life, and we forget that God loves us as we are right now. So it's like, oh yes, I need to get better at this. I need to get better at this. It's like, God loves you right now. He loves you now. He loves you three days from now when you get better in your spiritual life, or if you slip up in your spiritual life, and he loves you in the worst thing that you ever did. In that moment, God loves you. I thought that was really cool. Number four, this is where Morgan Freeman comes back into the picture. In order to imitate Jesus more fully, we need to know him more and spend more time with him. So if I watched more Morgan Freeman videos, if I spent time with Morgan Freeman, which would be amazing, I would probably be able to do a better imitation of him. I'm pretty good at imitating a lot of the people that I hang out with a lot. Uh, but uh, those that I don't can't imitate as, as well. So if we want to imitate Jesus, we're supposed to be these Christians, these little Christs. We need to spend more time with them to get to know him more. Number three, we all know that here at Forte Catholic, we're about being loud, but silence is an important part of Catholicism. I know that's surprising to hear me say, but it's why it probably stuck out to me so much. Cardinal Sarah, he wasn't at the, he wasn't at the retreat. That would have been cool. But he was quoted as saying, silence is not absence, like the absence of sound. It's the manifestation of presence. Like God's presence is found in the silence. I thought that was beautiful. Number two, our, our good old boss man said, without prayer, we are trusting in ourselves and not God. I think I trust in myself way too much. And I find myself when my prayer is slipping or it's not going as well as I think it should, it's because I'm relying on my own power. So this is a great reminder that it, if we're going to continue trusting God, we need to bring all these things to prayer and not rely on our own gifts, our own talents. And number one, can't finish without a quote from Papa Benny. Pope Benedict XVI wrote in Jesus of Nazareth, and this was quoted by our good friend Pam Marvin, who's also a, a host of a show here on Red Sea Radio. She, she was quoting Pope Benedict when he said, healing is an essential dimension of the apostolic mission and of Christian faith in general. It can even be said that Christianity is a therapeutic religion, a religion of healing. I thought that was beautiful because no one thinks of that stuff that Papa Benny does. So many times people are like, religion's just a crutch. You don't need that. And it's like, yeah, religion is a crutch. Like I recognize as a Catholic, my need for God and I need healing. I need this therapeutic religion. I need this religion of healing. God wants to come in and heal us in big ways. And we got to see that a lot on the retreat. So here's what we're going to do. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Mr. Carlo Broussard about his book, Prepare the Way. He's, he's an amazing man. And then uh, in the third, in the third segment, I want to tell you about a time when uh, at the retreat where we had our silent day which for those of you that know me and any other extrovert, it tends to be a pretty difficult day. So we had like three hours of prayer. So here's the deal. We had three like times of prayer. It was supposed to be an hour of prayer. We also went to mass. Well, we've tried to go to mass. It was actually adoration because the priest canceled <laughs> without telling the visitors because he wasn't expecting us. And then, uh, and then we had like a, an hour of praise and worship that night. So that day I had like six and a half hours of prayer scheduled. To be honest, I did about five and a half, but still five and a half hours of prayer is a very lot. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Uh, most of the time, what most of us do in a week <laughs> on a good week. So um, we're going to talk about the silent day 
and this awesome moment that I had while playing basketball on the silent day. All that prayer around and my coolest moment with God was while playing basketball. So you don't want to miss that story. And I promise you, you don't want to miss Carla Broussard here in our next segment. We'll be right back. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Definitely Not Taylor. If you are listening to the show, you should totally rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. To rate it, go to the iTunes Podcasts app on your phone, search for Take Catholic, scroll down to Review, give five stars, write that you like the show, and then move on with your day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Troll. I am so excited to talk to this week's guest. We had him as a guest way back on episode 21 of the show. His name is Carlo Broussard. He goes by the moniker, the Raging Cajun Apologist. Reminds me of all of my family from Southern Louisiana. He's an awesome guy, and I'm so happy to have him back here today. Carlo, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, Taylor. I, I must say, man, since you introduced me as the Raging Cajun, can I just say, <laughs> I, I guess you have permission because you just did. Now you have to explain what just happened. Well, it's just kind of a thing we do in Louisiana when we're ready to have a good time or when we're having a good time, we let out this cry of, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I tell you what, all my family is from Louisiana and we make a lot of weird noises. Um, I've, never right. heard, I've never heard that one. So that's that's even new for me. But I, I, I loved it. It was beautiful. It's kind of, it's the Cajun version of the cowboy. Yeehaw! There you go. There you go. Uh, can you say that? That note one more time, not the yeehaw, but the Cajun one. Hey. You know, that sounds exactly like the cancer at the mass I went to this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, brother, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll let you come in on that. I'll let the people decide. They know what I meant. Uh, but, but hey, if I don't say what I meant, I can't get in trouble. So there you go. So uh, he, here's the question before... I brought you back on, number one, because you're one of my favorite guests I've ever had on the show. Episode 21 was the bomb, and you were the, the I don't know, trigger. There's not a trigger on bombs. What's the, You were the fuse that lighted the bomb up, and it was amazing. Detonator. The detonator. That's you. The Raging Cajun Detonator Apologist. So um, we're here to talk about your book, Prepare the Way, Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel, and the Church. Here's one of my obstacles about Catholicism that we already uh, kind of joked about in the first segment, and I want to get your thoughts on it. So we were talking about how this, like, I understand how God hears prayers, right? And we were talking about how, okay, how does, you know, St. Anthony hear prayers? He's just floating around up in heaven. Like, does he get a text message? Is it an email sent to him? Like, is it like my (laughs) voice to text to him? Or does he just, he's just walking around all of a sudden, it's like my voice, like, Tony, Tony, look around, something lost and must be found. He's like, ah, I'm just over here in heaven, like hanging out in this corner. And some, I can just hear somebody's voice. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no, Taylor, this is a very profound question. Many people actually ask this question, and many will use this as an objection to the church's practice of invoking the saints to pray for us, the claim being that how in the world can they possibly hear us? And there's all different ways in which they parse their, that out. For example, philosophically speaking, Taylor, a soul separated from the body by its own natural powers does not have the capability to have any cognitive awareness of what's going on here on earth. This is why in the Old Testament, without God's revelation of the afterlife, the, 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 the Bible speaks of the afterlife as those in the afterlife having no knowledge of what goes on here on earth. I'm thinking of Ecclesiastes 9.10, for example. So the only way that we could possibly know that they have cognitive awareness of our prayers here on earth is if God reveals it. And even if they do have cognitive awareness of what's going on here on earth, Taylor, they wouldn't be able to do that or have that power by their own natural powers. They would need God's grace, a created light to enlighten their mind in order to have cognitive awareness. This is something that only God can do. Once again, they don't have the powers by their own natures to do that. They would require God's grace to do that. And so the question now remains, is there such evidence for the souls in heaven having cognitive awareness of what's going on here on earth and our prayers here on earth? And the answer is yes. We could look to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. There's 24 presbyters, human souls, surrounding the throne of the Lamb, offering up incense to the Lamb. Actually, it says offering up the prayers of the saints on earth in the form of incense. So in order for them to offer up the prayers of Christians on earth in the form of incense, they must be cognitively aware of those prayers. We could also look at Revelation 6-9. The mortars are crying out for God's justice to avenge the blood on their enemies on earth. That implies they have cognitive awareness that their enemies are still on earth alive. And they're crying out for God's justice. So those are just a couple of examples that we do have God's revelation in the New Testament of the souls in heaven having an ability and a power granted to them by God himself to have cognitive awareness of our prayers here on earth. So whenever you say, hey, Anthony, donate, something is lost, must be found. God's granting him the grace to be cognitively aware of that prayer to help you find your lost keys, brother. Or it's the punishment. I'm not sure. I have many follow-up <laughs> statements and questions to what you just said, and I'll do them in order. Uh, at first thing you said was that I wasn't the first thing person to think of this. That made me very sad. I uh, thought that I was the first, and I thought I was special, but apparently <laughs> I'm not. And apparently, Welcome to the ball club, yeah, brother. Not only am I not first, but apparently it's an objection to Catholicism, and I don't know how that's supposed to make me feel about myself, that the this <laughs> brilliant thought that I thought I had uh, makes me anti-Catholic all of a sudden for some reason. Whoops. Listen, there ain't nothing wrong with asking questions (laughs) and seeking the the how and the what's behind. Uh, The how and the why's behind the what's. So, and then the the other thing that it did it made you look really smart. I have to tell people that like we this is not what you were coming on the show to talk about. This is just a way for me and you to kind of chum it up a little bit. And it made you look very smart and by default me very dumb. And I just love that on my show. It makes it, well, make, you know, it makes the listeners you know, really Taylor, happy. <laughs> I had to sound sophisticated. There oh, you wait go. a minute. It just slipped there. I'm not all that <laughs> smart after all, right? 
And here, here's the other thing that I, I imagined. Um, it's another one of those things that's probably not theologically correct, but it makes me very happy. So when the earthly canonization is happening, I feel like God gives that special grace. And I was thinking like superpowers. Like the, the saint is already up in heaven, just not a canonized saint. And like at that moment, they get this like amazing like superpower to hear people. And so it's like, okay, well, actually it would have to happen before that because they'd have to hear the prayers and then answer the prayers for them to be canonized. So it's just like, right. at what moment did that happen? It's like they're just hanging out in heaven for half an eternity, and then all of a sudden they can hear. It's like, whoa, what just happened? I could just hear you know, Carlo down in down in Louisiana asking me for uh, uh, to pray for his mom or something. It's like I, I was very quiet for a long time. Now I can hear. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 cognitive awareness wasn't turned on at the moment of the canonization. That's for sure. That a boy. So here we but go. There was, but there was a time when that cognitive awareness was turned on as they entered into the beatific vision. And the God that I know would give them no warning. He he wouldn't prep them for it. He'd just be like, you know what? You can you can cognitive you're cognitively aware now of what's going on on Earth. It's like it, somebody just says the password like. Blessed Anthony or Saint Anthony, and then you can hear them all Ooh, of a sudden. Turned on, right? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's talk about what what uh, what you actually came on here to talk about. So you've got this book called Prepare the Way, and I, I think you're going to continue to blow us away, just like you did on the question that you weren't even prepared for. So it's called Prepare <laughs> the Way from Catholic Answers Press: Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel. And the church. I love the title. One of my favorite songs is Prepare the Way. It's, uh, I love it during Lent. So you, you, you're kind of already tugging on my heartstrings a yeah. little bit. So you talk about removing these obstacles. What, what are sure. these obstacles? Yeah, well, fundamentally, Taylor, the book is structured with trying to catalog common obstacles that unbelievers and skeptics face to truth, God, Jesus, Christianity and the Catholic Church. These are obstacles, whether it be a mountain or a hill standing in the way, or such as the presence of something, or the lack of something, like a valley, right, that stands in the way impeding one from encountering our blessed Lord as he comes bearing the gifts of truth and life. And the title, Prepare the Way, obviously is taken from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, which speaks of a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, lowering the mountains, filling the valleys. And of course, that voice is John the Baptist. And Taylor, you know, in my ministry in apologetics, I've always in personal devotion and prayer have asked John the Baptist to pray for me as an apologist, because I've always seen the work of apologetics akin to the ministry of John the Baptist. The work of apologetics is basically, it, it boils down to preparing a way for Jesus, removing the, making a, preparing a way, removing all the brush, so to speak, right? Making a straight path for this person to encounter Jesus, clarifying misconceptions, exposing flawed assumptions, removing all of these obstacles in order to properly dispose that person to be able to embrace the truth about objective truth, the truth about God, Jesus, Christianity, and the church. And so that was the motivation behind the title of the book of preparing the way. And that's exactly what we do in the book. What I try to do is I coach you, the reader, in strategies on how to remove these obstacles. So, for example, you know, somebody might be struggling with all of the different 
opinions and beliefs out there in the world? You know, how can there possibly be objective truth when so many people believe so many different things, right? Or how can I accept objective truth when it's intolerant to say you're right and somebody's wrong? And so I coach you in strategies on how to remove such obstacles. Or somebody might be saying, well, how can I believe in God? When there's no good arguments for God. So it's the absence of something. And we want to feel that valley by providing a good argument. How can I believe in God when there's so much evil in the world? So there's the presence of evil in the world that impedes one from embracing the truth about God. So I coach you in strategies on how to remove that obstacle. When it comes to Jesus, sometimes it takes the form of how can I believe in Jesus when I can't even trust the historicity of the Gospels? Or how can I believe in Jesus when he just sounds like a, uh, you know, a, le a legend in the Gospels with all these miracles and stuff? So these are the type of obstacles that I coach you in strategies on how to remove in order to prepare that way so that the unbeliever or the skeptic will be properly disposed to encounter our blessed Lord as he approaches him or her bearing those gifts of truth and life. And each of the strategies in the chapters, Taylor, are guided along with questions. So embedded in the strategy are certain questions that you can ask your friend as you're in conversation to expose certain ideas, expose flawed, draw out certain ideas, and, and expose flawed assumptions, and then also to guide the conversation along. They're not meant to be snarky or anything, but they're just simply meant to facilitate the, the discussion and the conversation. So that's basically the gist of the book, divided into these five sections about truth, God, Jesus, Christianity, and the church, and then coaching the reader and strategies on how to remove the obstacles to these things, preparing the way for truth, preparing the way for God, preparing the way for Jesus, Christianity as a religion, and the Catholic Church. Yeah, the reason I love the idea of this book is, and even just what you just shared, is that so often people are, like, I mean, you yourself are an apologist, right? Like, like, and one of the big focuses on, like, the contents. Like, here are the, the biggest arguments. Here's all the knowledge that you need to have. But it's like, there are things that, like, okay, you, like, I mean, even the example of earlier, it's like, uh, you were sharing scripture passages about our, our silly conversation about the saints and how they hear us and all these kinds of things, right? But if there's something completely in the way of somebody, they don't even believe in God, if that's the obstacle, then no conversation about how the saints hear us are going to most of the time be the, the thing that's important. It's like, okay, what is your biggest obstacle? Is it that you that's don't right. believe in God? Is it that you don't believe in Jesus? Is it, right. is it that you don't believe in truth? Like, whatever. And that's why I love what you are doing here. So uh, one of the big things that you want to focus on in your coaching in this book is, like, sharing it with family or friends or a stranger. Um, like, how, like, in your experience of, of talking to people as a professional apologist, how are you able to kind of navigate and figure out what the roadblocks are for people that you're having conversations with? Yeah, well, fundamentally, Taylor, in that conversation, in order to find out what the roadblock is, you have to lend a listening ear, right? We have to get the person to tell their story. And trust me, everybody loves to tell their story, right? So once they start telling their story and you have an attentive ear, you're able to find out where the person is itching. And once you find out where they're itching, you can scratch it, right? And by the way, I, I stole that from my mentor, Tim Staples. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> you were speaking about Tim earlier. Yeah, he's a good dude. Uh, but, but yeah, so you got to find out where they're itch itching. And really what happens is, you know, 
people often will say, you know, like I said earlier, you know, well, you know, how can I believe in objective truth when people believe so many different things? Or I really don't believe there is such a thing of truth, you know? Or how can I believe in God when there's so much evil in the world? So, for example, I was on the airplane flying to give a lecture not too long ago, and this gal was sitting on the side of me, and I had my binder open reading my manuscript, preparing for my lecture. And so she peeks over my shoulder, and she says, boy, that's some interesting stuff you're reading there. <laughs> she said, what is it about? I said, oh, yeah, it's my book. You know, I'm writing a book. Well, what is your <laughs> book about? And I was able to proceed to tell her. And so lo and behold, in the conversation, she brought up the problem of evil. You know, she had been left by her husband, and he was trying to win her two boys over to his side to get them to not like their mother and all this bad stuff. And so she was asking, how do you reconcile an all-good God with you know, evil in the world? And so I was able to share with her a few tips, a few things that I point out in the book, you know, from a philosophical perspective. You know, just because God permits suffering and evil in the world, even though he has the power to prevent it, it doesn't necessarily count against his goodness. Some, someone to, in order for someone to be good, it doesn't necessarily follow that they must eliminate all evil completely as much as they can. I mean, for example, when my wife cleans the bobos of my children when they scrape their knees, right? There, she's inflicting pain and physical, physical evil on them, and I have the power to stop her. But just because I don't have the just because I don't stop her, it doesn't necessarily follow I'm not good. Why? Because I'm aware of a greater good that can come about from the permission of the evil. And similarly, God, being infinite, He is aware of and has the power to bring about greater goods from evils that He allows to exist within the universe. And there's no good that he can't bring about. And so from a philosophical perspective, we're able to show that the existence of an all-good God is not, or should let me retract and say, the presence of evil in the world, whether moral or physical evil, sin or suffering, is not incompatible with the existence of an all-good God. And then, of course, I was able to share with her you know, the light of Christian revelation and redemptive suffering and how when we suffer in and through and with Christ— it can be imbued with salvific value, salvation for our own soul and the salvation of other souls, and that Christ promises to ultimately redeem all evil in this world in heaven when we enter into the beatific vision and ultimately at the end of time in the new heaven and the new earth, which offsets the glory of that heavenly existence, offsets any tragedy in this life. So where to where we can conclude that no matter how tragic any suffering is in this life, any evil, it's not ultimately tragic, because Christ promises to redeem it, especially in the Beatitudes when he says, blessed is he uh, who is pure of heart, for they shall see, uh, blessed is he who endures persecution for my sake, for they shall inherit the the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus promises that uh, those who stay faithful to him will inherit the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus promises to redeem all suffering in his ministry, in his teaching. Man, you're just dropping truth bombs left and right here, man. I appreciate you coming back on. I, I want people to go check out this book, not only for great, uh, great, the great methods that we've been talking about, about sharing the faith and removing these obstacles, but also just the content for yourself, just to be able to hear these things. And Because we all, like you mentioned, and like I have my own questions, you have your own questions, we got to answer them and get them answered for us. So go check it out, Prepare the Way, Overcoming Obstacles to God, the Gospel, and the Church by Carlo Broussard. Carlo, how can people get in contact with you? 
Yeah, well, first of all, they can get the book at shop.catholic.com. Uh, just click on the banner, prepare the way, and they can get the book there. They can also follow me in my work at carlobrusort.com. So everything that I do is at catholic.com, but it's sort of interspersed with everything else, and it's hard to get to it. But all of the material that I produce for Catholic Answers is in one location at my website, carlobrusort.com. And then, of course, they can follow me on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and then my YouTube channel with all of my videos. You've got it all, man. Thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Taylor. God bless you, brother. You too, man. All right, guys, we will be right back uh, for our final segment of the day. Carlo dropping these truth bombs on us. Um, He's leaving, so don't be disappointed. It's just going to be me in the final segment. But we're going to be talking a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's the third person of the Trinity. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Taylor. Aren't you glad I'm not using voice modulation between these two segments? You're welcome, friends. Hey, I just wanted to stop and take a moment to tell you to go visit the website for all your Forte Catholic needs. F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com. You can find old podcast episodes. You can find info on my music, on my speaking. You can find booking information. If you want me to come out to your parish or to ask an event or school, I would love to go check it out. F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. It's your host, Taylor Stroll. Taylor Stroll now. Sam Shepard is here too. All right. I think that's a thing now. I think I'm. I think I'm going to do that every show now. We started doing it a few weeks ago, just kind of be trying to be silly. And uh, let me know. Let me know if you hate that or you or you love it. Where, where do you? Where do you? Okay, here we go. If you were listening earlier in the show, this will make sense. Me singing to intro. The third segment, properly rated, underrated, <laughs> or overrated. And you should also send in your own samples of singing over the forte. Sam pulls. Catholic. You should send in a Sam pull. Hey, yo. Hey, dad jokes. You haven't answered the question yet. What was the question? <laughs> is is me doing? Is me singing to start the? Third I don't. Segment? I don't understand which one's a good one. Like in that whole thing. Like what? What is the good one? Like, no, just answer the question. Stop so thinking is, about it. But is overrated mean like, oh, that's bad? It depends on how you answer the question. Your 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 uh, explanation of it. Oh, I see. Um, then I would say properly rated. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm I, trying to dodge the question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Because it's just right. <laughs> All right. So you don't hate it. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Okay. Good. You don't hate it. Yeah. I. Like it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Thanks again, Sam. You're so <laughs> at the retreat that you and I went to, we were just talking about uh, all the times we had praying. And at a certain point, I was like, okay, I need to stop praying because this is, we're like hours and hours into prayer. I'm going to go play basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people that know me know that basketball was actually my first love. I definitely love basketball before God. Um, 
my family is a is pretty close. You could argue with me about I, I don't I don't know. I couldn't I loved basketball. That's the real point. It's it's what I cared about the most. It's what I put all my time in. It's what I what I put all my energy in. That's what if you were looking at time and investment, that's what I loved the most. So um I used to be pretty dang good at it. Uh, I was pretty good in junior high and in high school. And obviously, it's, you know, it's 10 years since I've played regularly and I've gotten fat. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, shooting a basketball, you have to shoot a lot to be pretty good at it. I used to be really good at shooting free throws. Sam, there was a time when I was in junior high that uh, we had this Knights of Columbus free throw shooting competition. You've heard of the Knights of Columbus. They have very special hats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I've heard of them. So they had this free throw competition and how it worked was like you had a competition at, I think it was like your church. And if you won from your church, you went to the area. If you won your area, you won the region, you went to region. So I was in this town south of Houston where I grew up and I was like the best one at my church. So I moved on and then the best one at whatever was next. So I moved on to region. So I went, we drove up to Houston, no matter what happened, all I was going to do on this drive up to Houston, we drove an hour and 15 minutes for me to shoot 25 free throws. That's all we were going up there to do. Everyone traveled from all over the place to have a free throw competition. So I was going to you know, compete for maybe two and a half minutes, <laughs> four minutes at max, whatever, right? So when I came in, I was most of the time I was hitting like, I don't know, like 20 out of 25, 19, 20, 21, like pretty good. That's a pretty decent percentage, especially for somebody in junior high. So here's what happened. The guy in front of me, like the, uh, the, uh, the guy that was like, it was pretty much going to be me or him that moved on. Only one person moved on to whatever was next, you know, South Texas, North Texas. I don't know what it was because I didn't go. Womp womp. So spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I, I didn't win. So <laughs> uh, he shoots and he makes 21 out of 25. No, wait, what was it? He makes, yeah, I think that's what it was. No, it's 20 out of 25. He made 20 out of 25. So definitely something that I could have done. I go up, Sam, after making like 19 out of 25 and 20 out of 25, 21 out of 25 at these previous competitions. I go up. I miss my first six. (laughs) So I've literally already lost, right? Because he hit 20 out of 25. I've already missed at least one more than he did, and I've only took six, taken six shots. So I get so angry at myself that what do you think I do next? You threw the ball. No, no that's oh. that's what I wanted to do. I, I you was prayed. So, no, didn't do that either. You. This is a fun game. You yelled at the guy. <laughs> no, that would have been fun too. All things that ran through my head, Sam, but that's <laughs> not what I did. I was so angry that I hit the next 19 in a row. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my Jesus, what was that? That was the fans screaming at me. No, I think that was people running away from me because I'm hideous. I think that's what that was. Okay. Well, it's called fans screaming. My B. Fans screaming. Fans screaming when Bane comes into the, <laughs> into, uh, the stadium and Batman. Okay. So, I make nineteen. I make nineteen in a row. Ridiculous. I don't think I've ever made nineteen in a row. But no matter what, I, I made those nineteen in a row and still lost by one because he hit twenty out of twenty-five. I hit nineteen out of twenty-five. I was like, dang it, right? So that's that was back then. <clears throat> Let's talk about now. I've been. I play basketball once a week. I'm out of shape. 
I don't shoot all the time. Like I used to shoot like a thousand shots in a day. Now I shoot, you know, 30 on Mondays. <laughs> it's like <laughs> de- definitely not as good as I used to be. But at the retreat, I warmed up and, you know, I would make one, miss one, make one, miss one, make two, miss two, make one, miss one. Right. Pretty, you know, pr- shooting about 50%, which is not good by any means from the free throw line. Then as I get warmed up, about 30 minutes in, I hit 11 in a row, which is the most I've hit in a row in a very, very long time. I was very proud of myself. And and what I'm – so as this whole thing goes on, I'm having a blast. It's this great time. I've had these great times of prayer throughout the day. And now I'm playing basketball, which is something that I love. And it's like, oh, let's combine these two things, like my first love, basketball, and this and this God that I love now. So for the first time in my life, Samantha Renee Shepard. Not my middle name. Okay. So for the first time in my life, I put these two things together that I love. Because as when I played basketball as a kid, I'm one of those guys that if you make me angry, I'm better at sports. So I would listen to angry music. I would listen to rap. I would listen to like hardcore rock stuff. Whatever got me hyped up. That's what I listened to while playing basketball. Last week, 28 years old. I've been playing basketball since I was three and following, going to church since I was a baby and actually caring since right after junior high. I had never put those two things together. I was listening to worship music while playing basketball. So I had my phone in my pocket. I had my headphones in and I was shooting around the basketball. And it was just really cool. And in the midst of all this, I hit these 11 free throws in a row. And then I walk up to the line. I'm just in this groove, right? Like everything's going well. My shot's going the same way. Everything is perfect. My elbow's right. My wrist is right. I'm pointing my fingers at the goal. I'm using the same amount of power. Like everything's perfect. And I missed the 12th one. And I'm like, what the heck? I just did the same exact thing that I did 11 times in a row and it went well. And then I missed one. It wasn't like my wrist was completely off. It wasn't like I short-armed it. It wasn't that I like didn't use my legs at all. Like I did everything seemingly exactly the same. It has to be the same motion every time, but yet I still missed. I've been using that same shooting motion for decades, literally decades. 28 years old, I started really playing basketball and caring, maybe at five or six. I've been playing basketball longer than I've doing most things other than breathing and some other bodily functions, right? Like I love basketball i've been around it my whole life yet i still miss that shot and i still currently am a 50 percent free throw shooter and even in my heyday for all the great shots i made i missed a few terrible ones all along yeah, i missed as many terrible ones right so for the first time because i'm listening to this worship music i have this moment where my faith and basketball collide for me because i'm like oh this might be just like my spiritual life. What does it take to be good at something? It takes practice and consistency. So the more I practice my shot, the better I get. The more consistent I am with my arm motion and how my body is working to make the shot go in, the better I am at shooting a free throw. Rest is a big deal. If I'm exhausted, you can't shoot anymore. This happens a lot now, but like because I'm out of shape. I'll go on Monday nights and I'll play and my shot will be good the first like hour and a half. And then when I get tired, everything's short. Everything's coming up short because I think I'm using the same amount of power, yet I'm exhausted and I can't shoot anymore. The, the, one of the big jokes were like when I was in high school and stuff, we would lift weights before practice 
and everybody knew that nobody was going to shoot well the day that we were that we were lifted weights because you lift weights and you rip up all your muscles and you're trying to shoot and I'll shoot exactly the same motion everything but I'm tore up and I'll airball by five feet too short because it's like my arm doesn't work anymore because I just ripped it up in the in the weight room and it takes focus making that shot takes focus. I could be shooting. It's it's why, like, if you watch an NBA game, there's people behind the stands and they're like, you know, holding up pictures of like the shooter's ex girlfriends and like hitting these things together and making a bunch of noise and like yelling mean things at them. It's because they're trying to break their focus. Because if you're not focused on the shot, you're probably not going to make it. I mean, you still can add a little bit of muscle memory, but you're not going to make as many as you as you could. And then remembering going back to the basics. If I haven't shot in a while. It's like I was taught how to do this as a young child and I got really good at it. Like what was my heyday, high school? How was I shooting then? What were the basic fundamental things that I could go back to? And I was thinking like, okay, all these things make perfect sense for my spiritual life. When I am practicing my faith, it's literally what we call it. When I'm practicing my faith, when I'm going to mass, when I'm praying well by myself, when I'm actually putting in the time and when I'm consistent in my prayer, when I'm praying daily, things are going well. I'm quote unquote making the shot in my spiritual life. When I rest, and this this rest was what this retreat was for me. My life's busy. I'm running around all the time. This retreat was just a time to slow down and let the wheels just kind of stop spinning in my mind, in my body, just kind of take some rest. Because I mean, we can be in a great spot in our spiritual life, but if you're not if you're sleeping four hours a night, five, six hours a night, a couple times in a row, you're exhausted and you're not going to be a righteous acting person. No matter how well your prayer is going, we need this rest, both physical rest and this rest in our daily prayer time away with God. Uh, we need to focus. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm talking to myself at this point. The guy who may or may not use the offertory at Mass as an intermission to go get some water or check, you know, check the scores or something. Like <clears throat> My focus in Mass, my focus in my personal prayer, my focus in my relationships, all of that matters. And w- when things start, it's like, okay, what's going wrong with my spiritual life? What's, what's happening? I notice that, that I'm off a little bit. I'm going to go back to the basics. Okay. Because <laughs> most of us know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to go to mass. We're supposed to go to confession. Okay. Now let's actually go do that. And, and the, the final thought that I had from this whole shoot, shooting ordeal is that I could miss the shot by any little thing being off. If I don't use my legs, the ball will come up short. If when I if when I release the ball, my wrist is pointing right or left, the ball is going to go exactly where I push it. It's going to go right or left. If I don't fully extend my elbow, it's not going to make it the whole way. It's going to come up short. So I was like, if any of these things aren't going well, practicing our faith, the consistency in it, finding rest, uh, focusing, going back to the basics. If any of that isn't going well, we might miss a few more shots than, than we should or that we, than we could. Because me at my best, like in high school, I was probably 80% free throw shooter. Now on a good day, I'm 50. <laughs> so like I, I find myself in my spiritual life like that sometimes. Like, yes, you know, sometimes I've never been 100. I've never been super holy. But I've been an 80% Catholic before. I've been 80% good Catholic. It's like those times that I find myself at 50, though. What am I doing? How do, I just need to refocus. Because I know what I need to do 
to grow in my love for God and his people, just like I know how to shoot a basketball. But it takes these things, this practice, this consistency, rest, focus, and when we slip up going back to the basics, because I think that's one of the hardest parts. How, how do you be a good Catholic? What do you need to do? Go to Mass on Sundays. Go to confession every now and then. Pray pray daily. Read the scriptures. Grow in your faith. Listen to Catholic. Like, do something to grow in your faith. Listen to Catholic radio. Read books. Whatever. That's, that's the essentials, the basics of being, a, of being a, a good practicing Catholic. We know that, and yet we're like, oh, no. I'm not going to pray. I'm too tired. Or I'm not going to go to mass this week. There's too many good NFL games on. Like that. That's that's what that, what a lot of people do. We know what we should do. We just need to get up and do it. So, good old retreat. Speaking of the retreat, I'm going to save some of this stuff for next week. I gave a retreat on the. I gave a talk on the retreat. I gave a retreat. I gave a talk on the retreat. Um, Sam was there. Uh, how do you think my talk went? Was it properly rated, <laughs> overrated, or <laughs> underrated? <laughs> underrated. I don't know what any of those mean. What? I don't what? like scales. I'm not good at it. I don't like I don't scales like either, but that's because I've gained too much weight. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you think? Just calling you out in the air. It was good. I don't wait. What do you want me to talk about? I talked about the Holy Spirit. Did it? Did it? Should we talk about it next week? Did it empower you or equip you in any way? Yeah, but you should have a whole section on it. Okay, so then that's what we're, that's what we're going to do then. Is that what you're asking me? That's yes. That's exactly what I'm asking you. You should use a whole segment next okay. week. Okay, so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit next week. It's fantastic, I think. But You might even be able to split it into like two. I know, there was a lot. Gifts like that we receive and then the Holy Spirit, how we can use those gifts in the world. Yeah, let's do it. We'll talk. We'll start with the Holy Spirit next week. Uh, unless I have some crazy idea that pops up on the on the drive over here, like we did this week, valid. But um, let's let's finish with this. Talk about taking risks. Just kind of a random thought. Taylor's closing thoughts for today's episode. Jesus knew Peter was going to fall when he came out on the water and called him out anyway. When Peter comes to walk on water, out to Jesus. Jesus knew he was going to fall, and he called him out anyway. Peter didn't completely understand anything in the current moment until what happened later. So th- this was just uh, just building me up uh, last week when I was reading this because it's like, man, I I can feel guilty, I can feel shame when you know we've talked about that recent weeks on the show. It's like God knew we were going to mess up. It's why he sent his son. He knew Peter was going to fall in the water. He called him out anyway because Peter was still able to walk on water for those few seconds. That's a miracle. That's something that we could never do on our own. If he'd have stayed in the boat, never taken the risk, he'd have never walked on water for those few steps. Take a risk this week. I don't know what it is. Play risk the board game. I don't know. Take a risk. This has been another episode of Forte Catholic. For all things Forte Catholic, go to ForteCatholic.com. We'll be back next week. See you. You see, this is usually the time in the show where I come on. Thank you for listening. Tell you to go check out the other podcast at ForteCatholic.com. But we got to talk about that voice crack there at the end of the show when I said, see ya, lost my voice last week, and I just made it through the whole show until the end. Hope you enjoyed it.